Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you. Happy Monday, Dr. Paul. How are you this morning? Doing well. Thank good. you. Thank you. Good. Back at it, trying yeah. to make the world a better place to live in. And mm. I don't know who's measuring things, but right now, I don't know what kind of grade we get. I think we're in the minority. <laughs> yeah. But if you look at it, that plant seed, that's how I can rationalize, you know, did nothing happen? How many bills did I get passed in the Congress? Mm. Well, maybe I planted a seed here or there. So maybe we were planting seeds, and uh, and, and that uh, tends to have ideas grow. And ideas, you know, are powerful. So we're going to deal with ideas once again today, uh, sort of on the war, uh, even uh, a little bit about what's going on with COVID and uh, the leader of the, the COVID movement uh, and uh, the one that wants to destroy medicine. I think his name is Fauci or something yeah. like that. We'll mention him. But we want to talk about this terrible, terrible mess in Europe and how, how we can go from a few years ago with the excitement of the uh, end of the Cold War with a lot of improvements. In spite of the shortcomings, there were a lot of improvements. But behind the scenes, there were still a lot of activity. You know, the, uh, uh, the Western faction, the NATO people, were still building their empire. At the same time, uh, R Russia was trying to survive. Uh, and uh, we were all delighted to know that the Soviet empire collapsed and it collapsed on its own accord because it didn't work very well and, and they had economic problems. Uh, but right now, you, you know, there's a lot of lot of activity going in how there's there's been incidences that you'd think people could and had been upset. But the whole thing is, and we we mentioned this so often, and that is uh, what happened in 2014. Uh, there was a coup. Well, there are a lot of coups. Uh, well, the United States was involved. Nobody knows it. But that was a coup, and, and that's happened before. You know, we were involved with coups back in Vietnam and a lot of other places like that and, and ended up badly. So right now we have uh, a faction going on, and there's a hot war going on. People are dying, and uh, there's, uh, there's, the, there's three factions going on, I see. It's the, uh, the NATO forces in the United States, which are the militant group. And then you have the, the, the Russians who aren't bashful or trying to defend what they think is their territory. Uh, so it goes on. But then maybe the real battle is neutralizing the obsession and the power of the media, whether it's social media or regular media. And that may be the... Uh, biggest job we have because what pe people are believing comes from those those two sources you know our numbers are growing and people do want to hear about it but uh you know the propagandists are very very powerful but that's been known i guess for a long time throughout history but right now uh there, there are three factions uh involved and uh it looks like things could uh, really deteriorate and get much worse because we kind of have a clip on, uh, you know, Senator Coons who uh, said, well, things aren't going so well, uh, but we got to save Western civilization. We got to protect the First Amendment. We got to save our Constitution. So how do, how do we do this? Well, uh, you know, the Russians haven't gone home yet, so we better send American troops. American troops on the ground? 
Well, they've been in the air for a long time. You know, no matter what goes on, we're in the air, and uh, and this process is accelerating. If if we do, and it sounds like we will, and we already have special forces every place that we think that we should be, so it goes on. But this is an open uh, suggestion by a senator with clout that uh, we better start thinking about it. This is the way it works to start conditioning the people. I wish it would excite the people who don't like the draft and they don't like, you know, our militaristic foreign policy, that it would wake them up now and not wait for an ending like, well, you know, it hasn't ended in the Middle East. Uh, a few people died over that and that lasted 19, 20 years. And uh, it was certainly a long lasting war in Vietnam. Uh, before uh, it was decided, well, you know, 60,000 Americans killed, maybe we ought to think about something else. And even even then, people say, you chicken-hearted liberals, uh, Americans, you you won't want to fight. You know, the liberals didn't want to fight. They they were more progressive. So they, they, they keep on. And there's still people in Washington who say, that was a big mistake. We left Vietnam too early. So uh, this is a bad step. Bad step. I uh, sure hope they have second thoughts. Yeah, you, you mentioned conditioning the people, and I think that's a perfect terminology. Let's put up this first clip. This is the article uh, via antiwar.com. This is Newsweek. Uh, Kuhn says Putin will only stop when we stop him when pressed on U.S. troops. And this is a familiar old pattern that's emerging. We've seen it over and over, Dr. Paul. If we don't stop Saddam in Baghdad, he's going to be in New York City taking over. If we don't stop Gaddafi, he's going to take over Africa. It's the same old neocon line that's used over and over to put people into a frenzy. If we don't stop Putin now, we're going to be speaking Russian next week. And, it's, and unfortunately, the people don't recognize these patterns. It seems to work every time. It's like Charlie Brown with the football that Lucy's holding it. You know, she always lets it go and he always tries and he always kicks it and falls backward. Everyone always thinks that we're horrible, unpatriotic people until in the end it turns out our way. But this is preset in motion. And actually, let's just put the clip up. Let's just hear what he actually has to say. He's on the Sunday talk shows. Very powerful. He has Biden's old seat in the Senate, Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Senator Kuhn says, we're in a very dangerous moment where it's important that on a bipartisan and measured way, we in Congress and the administration come to a common position about when we are willing to go the next step and not and to send not just arms but troops to the aid in defense of Ukraine. If the answer is never, then we're inviting another level of escalation and brutality. So let's break down what he says, Dr. Paul. He's literally saying, if we don't engage Russia with American troops over its current border dispute with Ukraine, that somehow Putin is going to expand through Europe, there's a new Soviet Union that's going to emerge, new Cold War, which of course the military would love to see happen, and we're all going to be attacked. It's again, over and over the same pattern. There's no evidence. You know what it is? It's the same old domino theory. Because uh, you mentioned Vietnam. If we don't go into Indochina and if we don't bomb in Indochina, we're all going to turn commies. Well. We did go in and bomb Indochina, and we're turning into commies anyway, as you, as you point every, out every day on the show. So it's an old rhetoric that he's using, but unfortunately, it tends to work. And I always added, you know, what happened in Vietnam? They became more westernized yeah, yeah. when we gave up on, on the bombs. 
But, you, you know, the one, one thing that is really bothersome and tells you a little bit about the character of the people we're contesting this with, and that is um, they don't admit they're, they're ever wrong. They're always right, yeah. and there's another, there, there's an excuse. But they have to, deep down in their heart, and if there's a brain, they have to realize they have been wrong, and they've made a serious mistake, but it's impossible psychologically for them to accept this. So therefore, they have to, uh, you know, deny it. They have to deny that it even exists. And the one thing that they have been able to manage with themselves is they never have any shame. They, they, could, they could do a policy where millions, well, millions of people do die sometimes over these policies and how many people died in the Middle East, but there's never, never anything. Maybe we did something wrong. Maybe we shouldn't have gone in. Maybe we should have been more cautious. Maybe we should have declared the war. Then we could have had an ending to this and on and on. But they never, they never have any sense of, any sense of guilt. They, they have no shame. And that, that means that they're immune from reason and morality because and then they turn around and they're magicians all of a sudden uh, they know something about propaganda and then what they do is they take all this and they put all the blame on the people who have been trying to fight it you know yeah. because you know the whole thing is if you oppose some of these foreign policy you know, he's this is treasonous, and yeah. I believe I probably have been accused of that too. A couple, of times, a couple yeah. of times. The treason is because you don't go along with the status quo, and uh, and the status quo, unfortunately, right now is still uh, militaristic. That uh, is such a source of so many problems we have. Well, remember Condoleezza Rice. You know, we can't wait around until we have the evidence. We can't let the smoking gun be a mushroom cloud. Oh. You know, over and over they have this hyped-up rhetoric, and it's bipartisan. As Coons himself said, unfortunately, and this is where my biggest beef is with the Republicans for going along with this. Let's look at here's this is not a good example of a Republican, but trust me, they're mostly on board. Here's Kinzinger, that great disgraced Republican. Yep, it's time to understand that Ukraine must win, and negotiation is not in the cards at the moment. That's easy for him to say, right? He's not getting bombed out of his place. Then he goes on, our generations are getting the lessons that our grandparents understood. The only way to defeat evil is to destroy it. This is so Marvel Comics, this whole thing. The only way to save the village is to destroy yeah, the village. Exactly, this, exactly. this is the bigger, the bigger village right exactly. now. And it looks like uh, Ukraine's going to be destroyed one way or another. And uh, it won't be saved. Ba basically because they don't accept some uh, very f fundamental facts about how people should treat each other and how they should live. Which, which have been known for a long time. You, you know, tyranny and force and violence and wars have been known for a long time. But the other side's been known for a long time, too, from the beginning of history. People recognized uh, what uh, thou shalt not kill meant, yeah, yeah. you know. And that's not like 100 years or so ago they discovered that those were good rules. They've been there for thousands of years. So the contest has been there. And there are a lot of ups and downs, but there's so much suffering. And I guess the thing that's so sad is the correction is so easy uh, to understand and it's so beneficial 
why uh, why isn't that the pragmatic argument doesn't carry any weight? I, I think you should have moral and you should have uh, you know uh, financial arguments and and uh, and all these. But you know the practical argument is something maybe they'd appeal to. You know maybe maybe it's more practical to live in peace with rather than having our governments going off and and stirring up more wars somewhere around the world. You know, there are a lot of Republicans, not enough, but there are a little, say a little handful that have been refusing to vote in favor of these, as you know this pattern, increasingly militaristic, increasingly hostile measures in, in the Congress, uh, <coughs> moving us closer to war. Uh, they refuse to do it because they're, they're cowards, uh, the ones that are voting for this. The ones that have courage are people like uh, Congressman Massey. He's been called Putin's congressman because he's trying to keep us out of a war that has nothing to do with our national interest. But most of them, as you know, Dr. Paul, are cowards. They want to go up there and crow like a bunch of roosters and act like they're such hot shots. But when it comes down to actually defending the American national interest, they could not care less. Um, let's look at Michael Tracy's really quick, because Michael is also always very good. And he's just reiterating what we're saying, but put this next tweet up. Um, Senator Chris Coons, the Biden <coughs> conduit who holds his former seat in Delaware, has actively begun floating the deployment of U.S. troops to Ukraine. Putin will only stop when we, the U.S., stop him, he warns. There he goes. So people should be very clear about this. Americans should be very clear about this. We've talked about this before, Dr. Paul. Where is the peace movement? Where is the anti-war movement? If Americans go along with what both parties in Congress, in the majority in Congress of both parties are doing, we will be in World War III. And this is not little Condi Rice going on about Iraq. This is Russia. We're going to be fighting a war that may end up destroying civilization over the borders of Ukraine. Yeah, sad, sad story, and uh, and we can keep at it because I don't know of anything else you can do to try to persuade people, uh, because uh, it, it seems like it goes on too long. I just couldn't imagine, and was imagining it constantly in the '60s because I was sort of in, involved in getting through and had to wear a uniform and that sort of thing. But it took a long, long time and so many people died. And then yeah. it was a total failure, you know, on a part. And they, they, they still say, they say that, you know, that's the policy that we have to use. And if you don't do it, you're some, some type of anti-patriot, anti-American, yeah. if you even suggest that you can live in peace. But, you know, the, that we, uh, uh, you know, heard from the founders when they talk philosophically about what we should be doing. And they said, st it, the, the one that is the most appropriate right now is stay out of entangling alliances. Yeah. Can you think of anything more entangled and ridiculous and really deceitful? is NATO. Yeah, yeah. You know, NATO, you know, it's it's a it's a grand success if they can find a country that only has 500 people and they say, oh, you can join us. Oh, we have another another country because they'll come and help us if we ever get into, into uh, military problems. Yeah, sure, they're going to help us. It never was the case. As long as we have, uh, as long as we're the financial power, uh, we will throw our weight around. But 
Uh, it, it's a terrible thing to look for the real answer because the real answer comes. All empires end. And I, I think that's what's going on in this world today is uh, people are recognizing that and, and people do know that the uh, foreign policy is getting pretty sloppy and the monetary policy is pretty sloppy. The dollar is pretty sloppy too. So uh, all those potential changes are, are coming. But the one thing, you know, the conditions... You, with the conditions we have, you can predict what probably will happen. You don't know when it's going to happen. And the other thing is, unless people on our side are more active in providing an alternative, so even though you can't win with guns, if they self-destruct, uh, at least we would have a chance to participating in what we will replace it with. You know, I was on the phone with our good friend Jeff Dice this morning. We were talking about the situation. And, and if, I mean, if we sound a little desperate, I think it's, at least in my case, feeling a little desperate. And he pointed out, you know, when the Iraq war was starting, uh, you know, we were reduced because of the real lack of social media being up to the level. We were reduced to writing letters to the Washington Post, you know. And then all of a sudden, social media really emerged after the Iraq war started. And we felt empowered now. We can fight back against the <laughs> mainstream media dominating the narrative because we have our own tools. And now, and he made this point, he says, now when you look around the landscape, the social media landscape, it actually feels worse than it did in the Iraq war. Because if you dare challenge any aspect of the dominant narrative, you simply, with the click of the switch, you're canceled. You're gone. The other thing that I think developed, which is... Equally dangerous, if not more so, and that is the development of the social media along with the ordinary uh, capitalists, you know, in this country. All of a sudden, they became, uh, you know, <clears throat> partners in this thing. So you have the people who are the giants of uh, free enterprise and sound money and all this, and they carry out all the dirty work for these people that, you know, uh, control the social media and uh, and the scenario, and they, and they have that, and the people fall into it. I mean, the <clears throat> I, I don't cry when I hear that uh, a few people left Facebook because, yeah. because in, in a way, it was built on total deceit. You know, the money was a big deal, and that's okay. But if somebody was getting a service, uh, you know, from it, and communications were great, and some of it was really healthy, you know, talking to your friends you went to school with and families came together again, but it was all a gimmick to suck you in mm -hmm. and, and become obedient to, uh, you know, the lockdown, you mm -hmm. know, and, and, and they, had, they had you. <laughs> yeah. Well, our next story, if we can put it up, if you, if you can get that next one up. We'll just do a short one on this, but this is, this is important because this is the same thing, but it's about escalation. British special forces are training local troops in Ukraine. This is from the Times of London. Serving UK soldiers, a NATO member, are on the ground as such, participating in the war at this time, uh, officially on the ground and in their military capacity, um, the response to Russia has been, we do consider these troops on the ground training the Ukrainian soldiers to be legitimate military targets, which any country would do. But this really shows a, a, a huge escalation on the part of the UK, which has been, aside from Poland, the most hawkish in Europe on this. Yep, they're there, and uh, 
people are sucked into sometimes training or, or a limited amount of troops, uh, use sanctions and, and uh, starve them out of their own money and all these things. And even the progressive gets sucked into this because they say, oh, that, that means I'm against marching with troops in there. But those, that is acts of war, and even uh, uh, some people would say it's a stretch for me to say that when you put in uh, sanctions and you prohibit imports, that's, a, uh, that, that's blocking trade, and uh, we wouldn't put up with it. Yet that constantly happens, and, the, and they do this in the name of feeling better with themselves. Mm. Oh, you know, yeah, I vote for sanctions, and I vote for all these controls, and I vote for closing down their economy. Economy, punish the kids. Then we put on sanctions in countries, and almost every day I can find an article where they say, "Well, we're getting ready to put sanctions, or have put sanctions." Guess who's the who? Some of the victims, the American people. You know, we what was it? It was it was something we were putting uh, san sanctions on, and it was going to backfire. It was going to hurt the American consumer more than the country. There, we were putting the sanctions on. So it's. Uh, it's used. It's a propaganda tool, and uh, and but that's a basic uh, a misunderstanding of economics because they people you know when they go to our colleges now they don't they don't get it, uh, anything that Lou Rockwell might have taught them from <laughs> the Mises Institute. Uh, you have to search for that. Well, you know, Boris Johnson is getting his is going to get his elite troops killed in Ukraine over a border dispute with Russia, and you know the. The British population is a lot like ours, I think. They're, by and large, they like war. Uh, they, maybe they have memories of their empire. There, are, there is a good, healthy minority that feels the way we do. But, you know, there already have been foreign mercenaries killed in Ukraine, plenty of them. There are rumors that there are at least dozens trapped in Mariupol, including potentially high-ranking NATO officers that are there in a, bumper, in a bunker. Uh, two British mercenaries have been captured over the past week. I've seen both of them interviewed. Um, so this is continuing to escalate. Well, you know, Russia sent a letter to the U.S. a couple of days ago warning them, stop sending military equipment to Ukraine. And, of course, it was promptly ignored by the U.S., which it announced that it was ramping it up. And that reminds me of the letter that the Russians sent in December, if you remember. They said, look, we need to sit down and talk about a new security architecture in Europe before things get out of hand, before war breaks out, so everyone can be assured of safety and security. And what did the U.S. do? They promptly ignored it, they laughed it off the table, and they had a war start not long after that. It doesn't excuse, you know, tanks rolling over a border, but if you can sit down and talk and try to listen to what the other group is saying uh, beforehand and avoid the destruction of a country, I see no reason why you shouldn't try. Do you know that one argument that is uh, getting a little bit of reception in this country more so before, and it's in, in a way a, a bit ironic, and that is, why are you over there? And they've accepted it blindly, and they say, you've spent these not billions, trillions of dollars on all this activity, but uh, why can't you deal with our southern border? You know, we know there's, <laughs> there's some bad people coming in. <laughs> well, that's okay. We'll train them. If we give them automatic citizenship and a, and a hotel room, they're all of a sudden will become good Americans. You know, so that's, a, that, that's, a, that's the whole story down there that just isn't going to hold water, I'll tell you. And an EBD card, so don't forget, they get free stuff from the rest of us. Well, let's move on to more, more, more uh, familiar yeah. domestic territory. Let's put on this next clip. Here's a face we haven't seen in a little while. 
and he makes an amazing admission. This is Dr. Fauci. He's back in the news. Uh, thanks to uh, our friend Steve Watson over at Summit News. There's a video where he says, and this is one of this, I guess we categorize this, Dr. Paul, as inadvertently telling the truth. <laughs> he said, you use lockdowns to keep, get people vaccinated. Uh, this is what he declared on MSNBC. But that's immoral. Well, he, he doesn't think so. <laughs> <laughs> he, he thinks if you don't do it, you're stupid, right? Yeah. yeah. Besides, how is he going to make a living? That poor guy is just barely getting by. You yeah. know, he'll, he'll be getting food stamps pretty soon. <laughs> but that is sad. Uh, and he said that he was approached. I'm going to quote from that one little uh, story we had. Is a strict law, the a, a strict uh, test lockdown you'd never be able to implement in the United States. Although that prevents the spread of infection. This is about Fauci. Yeah. Uh, I remember early on they were saying, and I think accurately, that they were doing better than anyone else. You know, uh, that as long as you take the vaccine. But th this is. I wonder when our our first time on one of our programs that we mentioned that there was self-interest by the uh, pharmaceutical companies. Of course, a lot of our supporters talked about pharmaceutical companies a long time before, uh, you know, this whole epidemic was even mentioned because they were suspicious of it. And, and it has been going on, on for a long time. Uh, and I think uh, the, the whole thing is, is uh, the Flexner report, I believe that was the beginning of the fight between holistic medicine and allopathic medicine, at least the prohibition and the penalties that suffered from the uh, holistic uh, approach. And uh, it's still that way. And then, and back then it was to solidify organized medicine and selling drugs. And that was minor compared to what goes on today. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's it's big bucks. And in medicine, uh, uh, you know, anytime uh, a question would be asked in medical school about what about this uh, holistic thing? Boy, you, 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 you bet get frowned on, and that might have been a few years ago. The uh, kooks. <laughs> yeah, what, what are those thinking about? <laughs> but this it is an amazing admission when you think about it, because Fauci is basically admitting that lockdowns as such are worthless. They're only good because they force people to get vaccines. And that's amazing. And that quote you read is fascinating because that's also, that's him praising the Chinese approach. And we've seen over the past week, and I'm not a big China basher, but I've been repulsed and disgusted by the policies they've had in Shanghai and elsewhere, where you literally cannot exit your apartment. People are jumping out the windows in despair. The most repressive, repressive policies of any regime Maybe except for Canada and Australia. <laughs> but, but in all seriousness, here's what Fauci said about this horrible, horrible Chinese policy. I remember early on they were saying, I think accurately, that they were doing better than anyone else. And that's what this zero COVID lockdown extreme policy. Yeah, that, that, that is the case. Uh, but the people, you know, are sort of bullheaded on this stuff, you know, and they are going to listen to it. I've I've had some discussions with people that were friends and would be reasonable conversations and all, and they just would get down, and it was almost hard to admit, but it was this loyalty to authority. Yeah, I, I got to go if it, the government's in charge and they're doing their best. They have access to all the information, so therefore I will uh, follow their rules. And, and yet it wasn't. 
because it was right. It was because the government had conditioned him to accept it. And you don't want to be challenged because that is, that probably is one of the social pressures that has been effective. A lot of people, you know, very hesitant about, you know, your job and, and going to school and being in athletics and all these things that uh, people suffer from. So uh, it's... It's a it's a real tragedy, and uh, when when the dust settles and this gets written, but but the, they're already appearing the articles to show that none of it was doing any good. You, you know they've abide, uh, uh, you know given the proof that social distancing wasn't worth yeah. anything. Uh, you know the vaccine uh, uh, isn't going to be proven to. Oh yes, I know. Uh, how all these people that are getting it, and they say, yeah, but it would have been much, much worse. Yeah. I might have died if I hadn't had the yeah. shot. I just got sick for a month. You yeah. Know? yeah. <laughs> so. Well, we're going to finish out a little bit more on the media because it's a similar topic, but this is, this is something we saw over the weekend, and a lot of people have seen it. It really made its way around, and I'm going to actually show the clip, um, uh, the, the video clip, but this is, uh, they call it, the Zero Hedge brought this up. Very, very good job they did. Um, MSNBC blast from the past. And ironically, they're talking about Elon Musk back then, and it's 2017, and they're criticizing the fact that he wants a role in the media. Let's listen to what um, Mika and Joe have to say about Musk back then. Who were Trump voters and are still Trump supporters. They go, yeah, you guys are going crazy. He's doing, what are you so surprised about? He's doing exactly what he said he's going to do. Well, and I think that the dangerous you know, edges here are that he's trying to undermine the media, trying to make up his own facts. And it could be that while unemployment and uh, the, the economy worsens, he could have undermined the messaging so much that he can actually control right. uh, exactly what people think. And that if, is the that is our you, job. Yeah. If you look at the issues, uh, Yamish is right. He's doing exactly what he said. It's right. It's who he's trying to control what people think. And that's our job. <laughs> That's what they say. It's pretty amazing to hear. You know, it, but but they t take this message and understanding of what they're guilty of. Yeah, it, it's constant because they can flip that around. It it seems like that's the the best uh, uh, training you can get in politics is know how to take anything you've done wrong, just twist it around. It, I can't think of anybody that has been more expert on this than the uh, the far left and the Democrats have done. You know, with uh, with the Republicans, and I'm not a partisan, yeah. but I just think that is it, because it's starting to come out. You know, there's more news just recently. You know, of, of the lies and proof of what's been said for a long time, but but they don't even report it when the truth comes out you know yeah. so uh it's a it's a sad story as yeah. far as i'm concerned well i'm going to close out and just uh, reminding our viewers put on that next clip if you can the final clip here's our june 4th conference we're going to start uh announcing some speakers that are going to be there of course dr paul is going to be there i'm going to do my part there uh houston june 4th tickets are reasonable dr paul 55 dollars there's going to be a great uh, breakfast, full breakfast available, buffet. So a, a nice several hour long conference. The Biden Doctrine, New World Order or Nuclear Armageddon. I mean, this is literally unfolding in front of us. We're going to grab the bull by the horns and talk about it in June. The good news is that we've sold 
Last time I checked, well over 60 to 70% of our tickets. There aren't a ton of tickets left, and we haven't announced anyone, to be fair. So I would just tell the viewers, if you are interested, go to ronpaulinstitute.org on the upper right-hand side. You're going to see a place you can link. Check it out. See if it's something that interests you. We always have a good time, Dr. Paul. That's your number one rule. We always have a good time. I know I always learn something from the speakers. I learn a lot from the speakers, and I greatly appreciate them. Uh, so it's going to be a great time. They're very good. And I'm glad you reminded everybody about my rule because that's what I was just thinking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, come, come and have some fun and enjoy, enjoy uh, the atmosphere and the uh, other people that agree with us on these issues. And uh, that is pretty important. It doesn't mean you don't talk to other people. But you don't, I, my rule is you don't argue with other people who are, are closed-minded. There's no purpose in that. Uh, and and this, is, uh, this is so, so important that there's a, 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 an atmosphere uh, that has to be developed to promote the philosophy of volunteerism. That's another word I like. You know, just think of if everything that we could think of in economics and social uh, order and uh, personal order and religious order, if everything is voluntary, boy, you know, uh, it, it really is uh, very tolerant. People get along and you don't force people and yell and scream or put them in prison or, or do all these terrible things to people who disagree. But, uh, you know, uh, there, there was an old statement that uh, we should be more like what we were taught in some of the parables. And one, one parable is if, if, uh, if, you're, if you're not guilty, you, you that are not guilty should be thrown the first stone. Believe me, I keep thinking about that in foreign policy and everything else. And it's so, people are so anxious to throw the first stone. And uh, that is why, uh, and it, this was one thing that Leonard Reed, uh, who uh, I admired and and ran the Foundation for Economic Education. He said that, uh, he, he says it's the way you approach people that make a difference where they might listen. And, uh, and his one thing was, you know, if you know something and you're respected, they'll come to you and ask you a question, which I thought every once in a while I got somebody like that. But one day I was in some controversy uh, on the House floor. I can't imagine what it was. And, uh, I, I, uh, and then I wrote it in a newsletter. I said that, uh, you know, uh, I, um, I, I don't want to push it. I, I want to wait and, uh, and wait until they ask me something. And one of my libertarian economists, hardcore, wrote me a note. He says, tell them anyway. <laughs> don't wait for them to ask. Just tell them anyway. Maybe we do a little bit of that here. But uh, we want to encourage people because I found the discovery of liberty and economics and social liberty and religious liberty all just coming together. And I said, you know, that's not very complicated. I, I have an MD degree, but uh, I don't think I need a PhD to understand uh, how people could come together. The rules are short and simple, and uh, anybody who wants to follow, they'd, they'd know how to do it. Matter of fact, instinctively, most people know what is right and wrong. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.